Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Okay, seriously you literally look different every time. I see you like. So I got purpose. bored again. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. surprise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I took like two inches off the top again. I see. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, but it took everybody a moment, you know, like, but it was really funny because my kids said that their first reaction was, Dad, you look older. Oh. And I was like, older? What do you mean, wow. older? And they said, well, maybe it's just because like your hair looks kind of normal. Oh, okay. And it just makes you look normal, you know, like like a guy who's your age. And I was like, <laughs> ruh <"Ruh-roh." laughs> Oh, wow. You just aged you know, because know, of that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it would make me look younger because like short hair, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'd look more toddlery, but no, apparently <laughs> I look older. Yeah. <laughs> It's a you, word, I'm sure. I, I, maybe. <laughs> Are you back home in Alabama, Greenbow, Alabama? I'm, I'm home. I'm home. I'm home in Bama. Back in Bama. And, uh, yeah. Um, been here about a week and uh, a little over a week. And it's been, oh, man, it's nice to get home. But I spent too long on the West Coast, I think. Because I was not ready to come back to the humidity. <laughs> I was not ready to come back to a two-hour time difference. Believe yeah. it or not, I'm still like jet-lagged or something. Wow. Wow. I'm still not sleeping well. I'm still not, you know, I never sleep well, really. But it's, really? it's worse than normal. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a sleeper. I'm not, you know, oh. whatever it is. I actually just started trying the um, a CBD, CBN, yeah. you know, gummy to try and yeah. help me, you know, fall asleep at night. And, yeah. Um, not not too successful. It's <laughs> not successful. No. You're still out there getting baguettes late at night. So. Yeah. <laughs> I brought it back from a long time ago. That's yeah, right. you brought it back. <laughs> so I, I found that my peak sleep hours are really from like maybe around 3 or 4 a.m. to around 9 a.m. Yeah. That's when my body sleeps best. But I have to be up at around 6 or 6.30. Oh, so it doesn't, <laughs> it's not it doesn't working. work out for me, man. And it you're still pretty cheerful. Out. I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, I'm a happy guy. Yeah. You always seem very happy. <laughs> except when you're cutting your hair off, apparently. <laughs> like, yeah, no, those are the moments. That's, those are my cry for help moments. Oh, you know? okay. <laughs> now we get I'm, I'm staring into the mirror and there's like a single tear going down my oh, cheek as man. I cut, you know, the hair and I'm singing, <laughs> everybody hurts. <laughs> Uh, I feel like your life is just art. Like it's just constant art. <laughs> like you're your own canvas all the time. Yeah, that's how we should all feel. I think, I, I think, you know, that's why I don't have any piercings or tattoos because that would be like this permanent thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I want to remain a blank canvas. Wow. I really do. I really wow. do. So I, I don't wear, I mean, I have a couple of shirts that are just random clearance rack shirts that have actual print on yeah. them you know um 
but you know most of my wardrobe is plain un unprinted you know t-shirts yeah and jeans and stuff like i just don't want to have to be identified with specific things <laughs> you know what i mean we funny. had well we had this conversation before <laughs> you're on our last podcast we talked about standing in the doorway but not going into the room right the moment i, I like you know i feel like the moment i get a, a piercing or a tattoo then i've gone into some room and i've dedicated and i've said this is who i am you know <laughs> but what i should do though is do something that's so opposite me right you know like 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 the knife with a snake coiled around it tattoo yeah. on my forearm you know yeah. something like that you know yeah you know, like, like me have a huge tattoo on your uh... <laughs> see but that yours is cool and i feel like it, it is, is cool. so you it, it is, is so you it's it's a it's a emblems of ancient wisdom right yes it is yes. that's right so it's it's uh like that's you and it that's me. it's like seeking wisdom so that that's perfect for you. That's perfect yeah. for you. For me, it'd be like I don't know, Smurfette. <laughs> I... <laughs> well, you're deeper than this. Smurfette Simon. eating <laughs> a cupcake. I don't know. <laughs> I actually, um, I I tried to start a band called the Smurfettes. No. <clears throat> yeah, I did. I wanted it to be a joke band. I tried several times to start bands that would be kind of jokes one the first the first one was more uh successful it was called skeletor mojo oh i love that name and yeah people loved it and people uh loved what we were doing but what happened was is that i was writing music for it and i apparently i'm not weird al i guess is what i'm yeah. trying to get at so okay. i was writing these big epic songs and and then we were going out and playing them as Skeletor Mojo. And I was like, this isn't <laughs> working. Like Skeletor Mojo isn't this. So I shelved the name Skeletor Mojo and that band evolved into what became Subterranean Howl. Uh, and I yes. was like, that 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 is what this band is. You know what I mean? Right. It's the, the origin <laughs> it's, story here. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I mean, so it, it, we're all trying to figure out that identity, right? The movie we're going to theoretically talk about today, Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. If you break it down to its most basic point, what is it about? It's about identity. Yes. It's yes. about people looking for identity, trying to form identity, um, sometimes mistakenly trying to identify as something else that they are, that, that we are not. Right. You know, but but we want so badly to be part of that identity that we we seek after it, even though it's a, it would be terrible for us. Yeah, it's a terrible fit. You know? <laughs> this feels like a conversation I had yesterday. Actually, is uh, I like to do produce like different series in my podcast of a series mm -hmm. out decoding yeah. diet culture, and then I'm working on this new series. Yeah, it's called really Me Vs Me. Thanks. It's called Me Vs Me. Nice. And this is a Simon special. I'm telling you, it's like a Simon special. Wait, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute. It's basically about you, Simon. Okay. It's <laughs> like, well, like the, I mean, it, it, you, inspiration from all places. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. basically about like yeah. the presentation of self. And, but also the 
lack of confidence on the other side of self. So it's kind of like, hey, maybe you're this successful, mm-hmm. let's say, musician. But what's the dialogue? No, this song may not be that good, actually. Like, eh. you know, like you like you've done this. You say this like you'll be like, oh, okay. I don't know yeah. if this is good or not. You know, I've, I've got a quote for this. I'm looking at my phone for a reason. I'm not like checking my texts or anything. No, I've, no. I've got a quote oh, for this one second. Um, oh, maybe I don't. I thought I had it up here. <laughs> Doggone it. But it's about that, essentially, of like getting the other side of confidence. Yeah. The the doubt that even really successful people have lots of doubts about the things they're doing. But we don't actually show that to the public. We try to put out this this thing, you know, and I think Revenge of the Nerds has a lot of that, too. It's like the yeah. jocks, especially like they think they're so amazing. And they have doubts, too. They're just not willing to put that out part out there. You know? Yes, yes, yes. I mean. You know, you can't have the nickname Ogre. <laughs> and think that you are really that cool. You right. Know what I mean? Right. <laughs> just be like, be like if somebody started calling me troll. Yeah. You know what? You kind of remind me of a troll. It's like, well, what's that going to do for my self-identity? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I totally lost my thing. So there's the Australian art critic, Robert somebody. Anyway, the point of the quote, and I'm just not going to get it verbatim. I'll just have to, to, to simplify it. But anyway, the point of the quote is to say that... Um, self-doubt that kind of anxiety is very particular to a very talented group of people and that mm. self-confidence is reserved as kind of a um what do you want to call it a uh uh consolation prize to the mediocre oh isn't that isn't that a great thought Ooh. Wow. I mean, and it's also, I think about the the things that you are most confident in. Now you have to sit back and think, oh, am I really that great at it? Right. (laughs) Right. Is that really my best quality? (laughs) Maybe it's my most mediocre quality and I am just, yeah. and maybe the things I have the most doubt in, I'm particularly, particularly um, adept at. Hmm to chew on that man that's i think that's part of the whole thing i'm trying to explore is wouldn't it be cool for a bunch of people to just put in some audio of like yeah i run this successful company but yeah i'm not sure if i believe in it all the way you know like just the two sides of me versus me and that seems like what revenge of the nerds is a lot about it's it's like these two sides. It's like the like I love the beginning. It's like nerds, and they're like, "What's a nerd?" We're like, "We are." I'm like, 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 but are you really? Are you really a nerd though? Yeah. Like, is it like people are also putting identification on you? You know that you may not want. Well, and and in that group of nerds, look at the huge variety there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So you know. I think the main characters who were first introduced to, they are are our classic nerds, right? They have a goofy laugh. They're the glasses, the 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 lame haircuts, you know, all the stuff. 
But then you get there and you got guys like Booger and Lamar and Poindexter and all these guys who are kind of, you know, just not quite fitting the mold of what we think of as the classic nerd. You know, yeah. I mean, especially Booger of all people, <laughs> <laughs> of all Booger. characters. I mean, he's more of like your almost like 50s greaser slacker. Yeah. And we yeah. don't normally think of that as a nerd. No. But he's a loser. I mean, it's more it, it's it's more like this movie should have been called Revenge of the Losers. Right. So they called it Revenge of the Nerds, you know. <laughs> I actually did a little bit of homework on this movie. Okay. Because well, first of all, it's a franchise, and a lot of people forget that. It's true. Because the other movies are they were so bad. forgettable. Yeah, they're bad, man. Like, really bad. <laughs> to give you an example of how forgettable and bad the other movies are, the original, yeah, the original Revenge of the Nerds movie scores a solid 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I want you to give me your best guess on Revenge of the Nerds 2, Trap, or Nerds in Paradise. What is it? What is its score on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, 15%. Seven. Oh, seven <laughs> percent. This is how I mean. And then, you know, how, how do you how do you make two more after that? <laughs> and then over the years, there's been talks of reviving the franchise, you know, remaking it and things like that. And I think actually Seth MacFarlane, I think his production company is. They they like have the rights to it or something like oh, they want to do it i hope but, not <laughs> i mean why why i i just like we're, we're so based on nostalgia and everything and, and and to an extent i understand it like movies are usually based on something you know whether it's a book a previous movie uh, you know, whatever. They're always based on something that has already been produced. Yeah. However, it's just like, I just feel like, man, aren't we ever going to get tired of unoriginal ideas? Right. At what yeah. point do we start to really crave, um, you know, originality? And I feel like it's out there. But those aren't safe bets. Right. Originality is not a safe bet. So saying, you know, we remade Revenge of the Nerds or, yeah. or Transformers Part 11. <laughs> oh, you, you mean know, your favorite franchise? Yeah, Transformers? exactly. <laughs> you know, that's forever going to be my example of, you know, yeah. how not to make a franchise, <laughs> but still make a trillion dollars gobs of money yeah. yeah like that's all it is it's a money-making machine it's like it's frustrating to me because i love original content love original content but like you said it's like it's like too big of a risk for companies They're like well what if it bombs yeah that's never stopped you from making movies still i mean <laughs> like no and i mean and the, the one of the biggest problems is now is that you know the franchisability of anything. Yeah. Like, well, does it have franchise, you know, ability? Oh. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> no. 
but can we have an ending where it leaves it open just in case? Oh, I don't like that, man. I'm really not no. a big fan of that. I like the complete thought. I'm I've been I'm, yes. I'm ranting about this to my wife all the time. She's like, all right, I got it. She's like, like, how about a complete <laughs> thought? You know, like I don't want I, I'm okay, maybe some seasons, you know, two or three seasons. Beyond that, I'm done. I just can't do more than that. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is clearly a money grab at this point. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this feels like it. Revenge of the Nerds. Like, yeah. I hate to say this. I watched all of the other ones. You watched them all. I watched I, them all. It I was not so seen bad. The third and fourth one. No, you don't watch it. It's bad. Like it'll embarrass. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Actually, it's embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Simon. As a kid, I was really excited. Nerds in paradise. <laughs> right. You know, I was like, "Ooh, Revenge of the Nerds too. This is gonna be great." Nope. No. Nope. No. So here's some other things I learned about the original Revenge of the Nerds movie that I think make it the classic that it was. So characters like Booger and Poindexter, they were not big roles. They were just, they had like a random line here or there, but yeah. they were not fleshed out characters at all. The actor who came in to do Poindexter, he actually had to re read lines that were written for Lamar. <laughs> because there weren't enough lines for him to even read to yeah. audition wow so those two actors they put themselves into those roles booger he he wrote that actor curtis what is it something what's his, what's anyway. his last name yeah i've seen him in a bunch of stuff actually oh yeah so he i mean he came off of co-starring in risky business yeah you know that so this was his next film role and he was really like oh no he, he said he loved the script actually but he he was he was like oh no am i really gonna be booger is yeah. that my next career move that's right <laughs> so he wrote like this like this uh you know page um life story of booger that was kind of based on himself and then he improvised a lot of the most or all a lot of the lines that he had and he's the most memorable character by far oh i love booger you know, he, I mean, it's just like if you, if I think of Revenge of the Nerds, he's the first character I think of. That other characters have <laughs> great moments, but he's the character I think of. You know, all the he's lines the he has, man, it's yeah. so funny. Like when they had the party, and he's like, We don't have any yeah. dates except for Lamar, and he's going with a guy who's <laughs> <laughs> dying. It's like, it doesn't count. It doesn't <laughs> count. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, man. and he's all he's trying to get everybody high all the time. Yeah, I love it, man. It's like you know, he's it's just... so funny. Burping and yeah, <laughs> the burp. I okay. wanted to burp like him for a long time. <laughs> so here, here's here's how much love went into that burp. So part of that burp is a real human burp that's obviously <laughs> overdubbed. Yeah. The other part of that burp, to give it the epic girth that it has, <laughs> is actually the sound of a camel moaning during sex. <laughs> Not made up. That's a true story. Wow. They actually took a recording of that camel. You know, <laughs> and they put they mixed that in to give the to create this epic burp and i just like oh my you know and i think about that and i think so i just think about oh and i was going to mention the the poindexter guy so he 
the suit that he's wearing throughout the film, he actually went out and found that suit himself. That's great. You know, and so this is what I'm talking about, where it's like these actors like went the extra mile to actually create characters. It wasn't just like, oh, we'll, we'll just show up and we'll say these lines and then we're done, you know. In fact, the lead character played by Carradine. Yeah. I forget his first name. But he, I he, I do he too. is he is of the famous Carradine yeah. family of Kung Fu lineage and things like that. But um anyway, he uh he actually enrolled at Arizona State or wherever they actually filmed it at. So he actually became a student there <laughs> during the filming of it. So there was just a lot of things that these actors you wouldn't think Revenge of the Nerds, really stupid <clears throat> comedy, you know, kind of a raunchy 80s yeah. comedy. You wouldn't think that these actors would be putting so much of themselves into it. You would think that they're just showing up and they're just, you know, being their goofy selves and having a good time and, you know, whatever. But I, I was really surprised at the level of dedication that these yeah. people went into creating characters that are memorable and that's why the other movies don't work. That's exactly right. <clears throat> that's exactly right. Because, you know, I, I think about like the first Ghostbusters movie and things like that. When there's a lot of investment into these characters and these ideas, the first go round. Yeah. But now the characters are established. So now we just have to redo, keep <laughs> doing the character we already established. So obviously the same magic isn't going to be there. The same kind of discovery of who are these characters and what yeah. are they all about? You know, it's not going to be there anymore. So even if Ghostbusters 2 was a superior film, which it wasn't, <laughs> like but it's still, it still wouldn't have the same magic as the first because of right. the discovery aspect of the first film. You're discovering these characters. It's kind of like the, the first Star album Wars of an artist. It feels like an al an artist's first album is the magic yeah. of discovering the artist. And then it's like, how do you follow it up? You know? Yeah. And oftentimes, even if you discover an artist, whatever album you heard first. Right. Tends to be kind of the favorite. You know? Right. With some exceptions, you know, but sure. <laughs> we, but, but it is that discovery. Oh, it's the discovery, discovered, yeah. you know, the, the artist this way. And, um, and, and, you know, I mean, what, what's the third Revenge of the Mo Nerds movie called? Next Generation? Yeah, it's bad. Right? I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> so anytime. I mean, you know, isn't that what the last Star Wars trilogy was? Yes. You know, Star Wars, the next generation. No. Uh, the, the movie, Star Trek. The generations. next generation. Yeah. No. See, now, I actually really love Star Trek The Next Generation. I like it, too. But, man, it's hard to beat, like, Wrath of Khan and all these other ones. It's so yeah. good, man. It is hard to beat those, that, those, those movies. But Star Trek The Next Generation, it doesn't, it's not, like, it, it could have just been Star Trek. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because no, it, makes it sense. wasn't so, it wasn't so, um dependent on the original source material yeah. obviously they're using the same designs there's a there's the same you know uh a galaxy that they're all or galaxies you know that they're all coexisting in and it is a progression of you know the earlier story but it doesn't need that story like, yeah. like the 
like this latest Star Wars trilogy needed Han and it needed Luke and it <laughs> right, needed right. and it it was so dependent on the existence of those previous characters that it could never live up to. Yeah. Never in a thousand years could anybody live up to the original Star Wars movie, A New Hope, and the introduction of Luke, Han, and Leia. Right. You know, you just can't live up you to that. You just can't. It's true. And to lean on that nostalgia is just such a crutch, and it's so crippling. You've crippled your story. Yes. Immediately from the get-go. You've said, we're just going to limp along <laughs> on the support of these nostalgic characters. Right. Yeah. And we saw what happened. It was a complete yeah. disaster. Complete just disaster. the other... Revenge of the Nerds movies were complete and utter disaster. 7% <laughs> seven, seven <percent> Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I mean, that's real. That's like crazy bad. Like crazy bad. That is crazy bad. I mean, because normally at least a film will be divisive. Yeah. So it will at least get into the teens or the yeah. 20s percentile. Because there'll be some critics who, who will see, they'll, they'll be like B for effort. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> this was bad. I'm telling you. Yeah. <clears throat> so bad. And I guess that's what I love about um, film. And I, I love about just any artistic um, endeavor is that I would rather see somebody really go for it and fail than to do what, and I'll just use these Star Wars movies because they're really easy examples. <laughs> do what those movies did and lean on nostalgia and try to, basically what you're trying to do is make everybody happy. Yes. Or at least make the least common denominator happy and succeed. So, you know, it's like we succeeded at making X percentage of Star Wars fans kind of happy. Right. Because they got to see their old people back but in doing so instead of just really going for it and trying to tell like advance something and advance a narrative or things like that and i say that but we're gonna get on this whole star wars tangent. i know man but at the but you know you know how i feel about i know, you know the, the <laughs> um well and especially about the uh the last jedi movie yeah and I find myself contradicting myself, which I don't mind doing, because he, that director and writer, he wrote and directed it. He tried to do exactly what I'm talking about. He tried to flip the narrative, change the conversation. Unfortunately, in doing so, he had no idea how to do that. And he was doing it once again for the least common denominator. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Let me use this example just for everybody to know where I'm coming from. There's like a one of the final scenes is this random no name kid from one of the planets that they had visited, and he's like a slave kid or something. Who yeah. knows? But he uses the force to pick up a broom. Right. And he's supposed to be the symbol that anybody can use the force, anybody can be special or anything like that. Nice thought. Unfortunately, that kid has been reduced to a symbol. Right. He's not a character. We don't care about that kid. Right. We'll never see that kid again. So when you reduce people to symbols, 
instead of being fleshed out awesome characters then you're you're not telling a story anymore you're just you're creating a flag or something yeah you know and so um but once again going back i mean this sounds so silly because we're talking about revenge of the freaking nerd <laughs> no but Think about the core characters in Revenge of the Nerds and how memorable they all they all are exactly. because they feel like fleshed out real people <laughs> that you can actually love. Yes, <laughs> I know. Every it's funny and Takashi and everybody. It's like it's so funny. Like you you get it. Like even Lamar, who I feel like you don't get a a ton of. You still think it's kind of like oh it's Lamar Lamar Latrell Latrell Lamar and the limp wristed. <laughs> that's my favorite. One of my favorite parts. That, that's. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that in in and of itself is the most brilliant thing. Uh, you know, it goes back to the idea that there are no small roles, just small actors. Right. Everybody, you say Lamar to anybody our age, they know who you're talking about. They know They're it. thinking about the limp javelin <laughs> throw. Yeah. I mean, that's success right there. That's success. You right? Know, Bicycle I mean, you built succeeded. for two. Right. Everybody knows that. <laughs> And he's riding the tries, yeah. man. That's like it's iconic, right? But it's so yeah. dumb at the if same I say time. Booger Presley on the guitar, then yeah. everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's gonna start, and they'll have it stuck in their head. Come on, everybody, clap that your hands. hands, and everybody, <laughs> clap your hands. You gotta have that stuck in your head. Who doesn't know that, right? Yeah. So, but if you just break that down, I mean. These are stupid, ridiculous things. Yes. But the effort and the love and the care that went into create, creating stupid and ridiculous things <laughs> cannot be underestimated. <laughs> yeah. Even Ogre, right? Ogre's character is so stupid. Yeah. But so memorable. <laughs> it's like, so, no. I'm blanking on his name. He's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mean, and you think he's going to like burst sometimes right. like his anger is so real. You know? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I'm blanking on the name of the guy who plays the lead, um, you know, bad guy. Um, oh, my gosh. I know. I know that it's the quarterback anyway, guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. People know him from Happy Days. Yeah. Yeah. Do married with children. Married with children. Yeah. Super handsome guy. Right. He looks like the Ken, you know, bar, you know, Barbie yeah. Ken was based on him. That's right. Know? Yeah. So just perfect for these kind of roles and the kind of humility. I think that somebody like him has to have to come in and say, I'm going to be the bad guy. He's probably a super nice guy. It's usually the case, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love that about guys like, yeah. like that, that he's probably... Because somebody that good looking would would if they if they thought too highly of themselves would be like no 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 I need to be the lead I need to be a yeah, good guy right for them to say I'm gonna be hated and reviled you know yeah because I'm gonna be the well in the words of the of Booger he's gonna be his mom's old douche. What are you looking at? Thought I was looking at my mom's old douche, yeah. but, but that's back in Ohio. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's so good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but think that that line was improvised. Yeah, but, you're right. Know, who knows? <laughs> Meanwhile, while he's saying that line, there's a small robot watering the lawn. <laughs> With a sprinkler that is coming out from, you know, yeah. his crotch area. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just so, so absolutely ridiculous. It's a very immature movie, but actually very well fleshed out. It's kind of weird. It's like this dichotomy, you know, it's like, yeah, this is dumb. But we thought about the being dumb part a lot. <laughs> like, Yes. And, you know, you're you're having people. They're saying funny things, but they're not saying it in a funny way. Like Booger's not yeah. saying it like he's trying to be funny. Right. He's saying it like he's he's like he's angry and he's and he's being rude. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, right behind him is a robot with a sprinkler penis. <laughs> you know, basically is what we're talking about. <laughs> these guys are doing this scene with that right there. You know what I mean? And so it's it's a little bit geni- genius. I mean, it, yeah, it, it really is. It's it's got its own, and there's a reason why it's worth talking about today. And a lot of people will say, "Oh, this isn't worth talking." About. It's not blah blah blah. It's totally it, worth talking about. It absolutely <laughs> is worth talking about. It's just as I'm not comparing it to Shakespeare. Okay, just <laughs> oh, wait a minute <laughs> about this. But Shakespeare used a lot of lowbrow humor, but he right. used it in a very ingenious way. He used it so well that modern audiences often don't even understand what he's talking about. And they don't understand that, you know, Romeo and Juliet. I mean, whenever yeah. I hear about my kid, you know, my kids, two of my kids um, in um, seventh and eighth grade or sixth and eighth grade, they are both studying Romeo and Juliet in their theater classes. And I'm just like, man, I wonder if I should tell them what all those jokes really mean right. in Romeo and Juliet, because it's not really appropriate for this right. age group. And if you were to hear children talking this way in the halls, you'd give them like detention or something. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, but, but that's what I, uh, but what I'm trying to get at is that there can be a genius to lowbrow humor. Yeah. And For Revenge sure. of the Nerds, not every joke lands great. Not, not everything is, is, is perfect in this movie, but I'm saying there to so many scenes, like the one we were just talking about, there's a particular genius to the lowbrow humor that's going yes. on that makes the movie a classic of this <laughs> genre of college lowbrow comedy, you know? <laughs> I mean, just so many stupid things in the Olympic games. So great. Uh, I mean, it's so good. Booger so is going to arm wrestle a girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently has no confidence that he can beat said girl. No. So he quickly picks his nose <laughs> yeah. with the hand that he's going to arm wrestle her with. To gross her out and distract her <laughs> while he wins the arm wrestling contest. I mean, <laughs> here's the other thing about that scene. I think that if it was filmed today, it would put like they would find a way to really exaggerate it. Yeah. To where like you might even see the booger yeah. or or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or or it would take it to a next level. But in Revenge of the Nerds, if you're not watching closely, you actually might miss it. You'll miss it. Exactly. It, because it's not like 
you know, I, I don't know. It's it, it, so that that's what I mean. Where it's just like he he's kind of doing this little thing with his, his fingers, yeah. he's like twiddling his fingers. He's kind of like, up, you know, maybe may, maybe maybe arm wrestling is gonna start. Maybe it's not. <laughs> blah blah blah. Quickly shoves his finger up his nose, brings it back out. You might miss it. You, you might know? miss it. <laughs> and there's a lot of themes like about like brute strength versus intelligence, you know, and cleverness related to that. It's just I actually wonder how the original movie would play in today's society if it came out today. And would some people be outraged by certain scenes? Because, you know, there's like, they're just spying on girls and stuff. And that's they're, a great scene, not though, PC. man. This you is know? not, you know, yeah. Um, you know, and and the, the, the temptation to woke, mature yeah. men like you and I would be to try and justify (laughs) this scene in some way and to say oh it's a commentary on this or that or whatever it's like no 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 it's not this is if anything it's just the reality (laughs) exactly it's just the reality (laughs) of dudes in college exactly it's it's an unfortunate reality it just is what it is it's not commentary it's not if it was commentary it wouldn't have been funny that's right that's exactly right. They broke the in reason, there. <laughs> yeah. The reason Bill Maher isn't funny to a lot of people is that it's too much commentary. Right. 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 Like, like Bill Maher is a genuinely funny. I think so too. Individual. <clears throat> but because all of his jokes are commentary on something political, he's, right. he's divisive and a lot of people don't like him. It's like, well, if you took away political bias out of, the equation then most everybody would think bill maher yeah. is at least sometimes really funny yes yes but uh but because it's all commentary all the time now it's like well go, don't go to revenge of the nerds looking for commentary no okay this is not commentary this is not you know it's i think they tried to bill it as you know the rocky of the, con- of the college <laughs> yeah. comedy you know it's like because it's all about the underdog right but even if you're looking for that kind of messaging, then it's like you're looking for too much. Yeah. Don't don't ask for so much out of this movie. Just ask yeah. to go in there and laugh. That's and all. Laugh. That's it. That's it. You know? That's that's where it stops. Like that's when you, I'll give exactly you a good example. Where it stops. Like Revenge of the Nerds is just hilarious to me. Fast forward to I highly recommend everybody listen. Do not watch the movie Me Time with Kevin Hart and Mark Wahlberg. It is one of the worst comedies oh. I've ever seen in my life. It's horrible. I, I saw the little picture for that on Netflix, and I I already horrible. knew. I was like, no, that's not happening. Listen, I made the mistake of watching this when I was really high, man. <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> and I was watching with my wife. This is all honesty here on this show, baby. <laughs> and I'm watching this and I'm just like, I'm really, I'm like baked, man. And I'm just like, this is bad. And I'm in this state of being. And my wife turns to me, she goes like no amount of weed. Yeah. My wife goes, it doesn't matter how baked you are right now. It's a bad movie. It's just bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, but the thing is, they're like going for the laugh. Like it's overtly going for so stupid laughs that it's just not funny. Yeah. Whereas in Revenge no, of the Nerds, no, it doesn't even feel like they're trying to be funny. It's just like people are talking no. and it sounds funny, you know? I mean, 
in that sense, I actually still compare it to the original Ghostbusters movie. That's what I'm saying. Yes. I think if you were just to read the script, right? You'd be like, well, where where are all the where are the jokes? Where are the jokes? You know what I mean? Yeah. The jokes are kind of there, but it's not about what's being said. It's about who's saying it and how they're saying yeah. it. And they're not, like you said, they're not going for the laugh. They're actually, the original Ghostbusters is actually telling a great story yeah. about real characters that you can actually kind of relate to, no matter how kind of weird and quirky they are. Yeah. But I mean, they're just... I don't know how else to explain it. You know, I mean, Bill Murray is the quintessential, you know, in that movie. It's like, yeah, he's got some sarcastic sure. lines that are funny and things like that. But he's really just a loser. Really? That's exactly I'm a good example. He goes into Dana's apartment. She's like, you going to check the fridge? And he goes, all right, I'll check the fridge. And he opens it up. He's like, oh, and he goes, I can't believe you eat this stuff. Like, what is yeah. this? Like, it is like very <laughs> nonchalantly delivered. It's hilarious. Yeah. And I just like, he's exactly. not trying. I don't like when people are trying too hard to be funny, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's that easygoingness about easygoingness. his character. Right. That he isn't. The the easiest comparison would be to the Ghostbusters starring all the girls. Yeah. Where they're trying so hard to be they're funny. They're trying too hard. Where each of those women are comedy geniuses. Right. But the the movie, the direction, I don't know where it went wrong, but they were trying so hard to be funny. Yeah. That it, it it's not funny at all. No. Zero funny. Zero. And, and you know, I, I think about Melissa McCarthy play, doing that scene, like being Bill Murray going into Dana's right, apartment right. and how much more manic it would feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of when he does the little thing on the piano. Yeah. <laughs> drives him crazy. Like, yeah, drives him crazy. <laughs> I think about how much more how much more energy somebody like Melissa McCarthy would have put into that. Yeah. And would have been like really maybe like over the top serious about it or mm -hmm. any, any, any number of things to try and make it more funny. Yeah. Not funny. Not What's funny. funny is that this guy is a complete loser. He's a complete <laughs> schlub. He's, he's a con man, but he's not even good at that. Right. <laughs> so he doesn't even care enough to be a good con man. That's the, that's the right. whole thing. Right. <laughs> You know, <laughs> maybe that's where it is. Like when a character, when you feel like these characters care too much. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird thing that that's why it's, that's why they call it lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Things like that, because it is so difficult to define and take apart and, and try to figure out why that worked and why this other thing didn't work. Yeah. Because it's not like the guys who, in the original Ghostbusters were trying any less hard right. to make a fun comedy. They just went about it in a completely different methodology. Yeah. They tried in different ways. And I guess it was just, but is it maybe, maybe it's like subtlety, maybe it's subtlety and maybe is it awareness of your place in the pantheon of the movie of the series or like, okay, let's say Melissa McCarthy and I was like, they're already pretty aware of themselves as who they are. 
So they bring this heightened version of themselves to the role. Like everybody knows me from like bridesmaids and stuff. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying like, sure, Bill Murray and stuff been around and other stuff. But it's almost like they were unaware of their celebrity or their mm. something like 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 Harold Ramis. Is, is, I collect spores, mold and fungus. Like that doesn't seem funny. It's hilarious, actually. <laughs> like, it's so hilarious. It's so funny, and the way he delivers it is the way like, he says it is so dead. I collect spores, mold. I don't even think he's human. <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> he feels so dead inside. He's just he like dead it. inside. You know, there's some. Yeah. He's just like nothing there. You know, it's like Dan Aykroyd's character is like there's a lot of psychic turbulence. Like who says that? You know, it's like yeah. And he has this child, childlike excitement yes, for everything. Yes. And so these three characters are so different. And then you bring in, um, uh, what's his name? Winston, uh, man. Winston. Yeah. yeah. Who's awesome. And he's just the everyday man. He's the everyday you know, guy. He's, he said, he, it's so funny because like he doesn't even really seem to care that he's a ghostbuster. He's just like, I just want a job. Just wants a paycheck. Exactly. <laughs> the job exactly. is irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> He brings no passion to the work other than he the, for for all he cares, he's getting a job with a plumbing agency, yeah, you know, exactly. and he's I mean, he's going to go unclog some toilets. That's, yeah. He brings the same level of of blue collar yeah. work ethic. To it. <laughs> so these guys are just this perfect and there's no one upmanship. No, there there's no. How do we make this scene funnier than the last? How do I make my character stand out? Yeah. How do you know this, that, and the other? There's none of that in that original Ghostbusters movie. I don't feel like there's any of that really in the Revenge of the Nerds thing. I no. feel like those those guys wanted their characters to be more fleshed out, but it yeah. wasn't at the expense of somebody else's character. No, no. You think of the relationship between Booger and Takashi. So good. Right? Yeah. So, so good. great. Oh, yeah. You got too many kings there. That's the problem. Here, let's take away these three kings and here, yeah. we'll give you three fresh cards. There you go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, Takashi's <laughs> the best, man. And he's on that bicycle, man. Oh, fucking great. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> But if there's any parallel, I think, you know, you could easily say like Takashi is Ray and and right. And, and you know, Booger is uh, uh I never thought Bill about Murray's it that character, way. You know, I never thought and, about you know, it. I mean, way. but but you can see like, oh, you have these different characters that are inhabiting these different sides of our own humanity. The loser right. who's always he's he's once again, he's a con man who doesn't really he's not even trying. No. He's just, but he is going to take advantage, but he doesn't take advantage in a mean way. Yeah, like you don't see yeah. that he's like taking a lot of money from Takashi or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Just you teaching him bad poker. That's <laughs> exactly. <you> know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and Takashi, for his part, he's so grateful just to have this friend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This connection with somebody. <laughs> oh. So, there, I mean, there's so many great things. And, and I would have never, before this conversation, put Revenge of the Nerds even in the same league as the original Ghostbusters movie. It's kind of crazy, right? 
Yeah, but I, I, I can see a lot of parallels now. How, yeah. you know, the reason one of these movies works is also the reason the other movie worked. And they're right. not... Even down to Ray... Remember that weird... So there's a standout scene for me. And, there, uh, and this scene always stood out ever since my childhood where... The beautiful phantasm visits Ray. Oh, bed. it's great! Yeah, this, and he <laughs> makes that his face, pants. and that <laughs> ends the scene. You know, <laughs> and throughout my entire life of thinking about this movie, I've always wondered about the inclusion of that scene. Yeah, that has nothing to do with anything. No, it doesn't try to connect that there are sometimes good, well-intentioned ghosts that maybe they don't have to bust or yeah, right you know i mean what is this phantasm doing was it a dream was it you know this <laughs> was it that so many unanswered questions from it's this great. one scene with ray and but in the end it like doesn't matter because it was just funny and i feel like that so a lot of special effects have to go into that scene right right you know what i mean and so I'm just that those are the other kinds of things where it's like, but that scene doesn't move the plot along you know, at all. <clears throat> Why is this scene in the movie? Why did so much work go into this scene? Do you, I mean, do you hear where I'm coming from? Well, it's because you know busting I mean? makes them feel good. Okay. That's what <laughs> <laughs> it just works with the song. That's all that matters. I made it simple. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think the song was there yet. I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I don't when know, they went man. to finish the film i have no idea but it is so so funny <laughs> it's one Can of my favorite about... scenes actually my, it is, <laughs> I, I literally watched is. ghostbusters like three days ago i mean i probably watched really? it close to 100 times i'm not joking it's just so it's good. so good it's so, it's so good good even the even think about all the other side characters again with revenge of the nerds is this too but it's kind of like the EPA guy, right? He plays a prick so well in every movie he's in. He's amazing. Rick Moranis, right? He's the he's the clingy Rick neighbor, Moranis. right? You know, <laughs> like, who would have thought Rick Moranis would be a huge movie star? Right. He was great in that movie. He was in fan yeah. fantastic. He's so good, and and he has this completely unassuming. But fantastic career. Yeah. From everything yes. from Ghostbusters to Honey, I Shrunk, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. The kids. And, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and just uh, My Blue Heaven, mm. you know, where he he's doesn't play. He uh, he actually plays a, whoops, a straight FBI guy. Right. You know, right. he's not funny. He's he's the. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, he has this amazing career. And it takes off because of Ghostbusters. And what is he? I mean, I mean Ghostbusters is he's so funny. Oh, my <laughs> so goodness. So good, man. The party he throws just for oh, tax purposes. Yes. I don't know why I thought that was so <laughs> funny. So funny. <laughs> and that's what I kind of mean by there's I don't think there's any one upmanship because. Right. You could easily say that the core for Ghostbusters don't want to be one-upped by this side character. Right. But they just seem to want to be one-upped by him. <laughs> they they seem to want him to be the funniest part of the movie. Yeah. Because he is so funny. So hilarious. Everything man. he says is so funny. 
But then when he's being chased by the demon dog, <laughs> and he has that scene where it's 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 like a straight up kind of horror scene. Yeah. Where he like slides down the glass and you know that the demon dog has bone. got to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> such once again, it's such a great scene. Everybody stops eating dinner, the music stops. And immediately after he kind of disappears, the music starts back up. Everybody goes back to dinner. Totally New York, man. It's a commentary yeah. on New York. That's what it was. <laughs> Nobody cares that much. <laughs> but that is like, I feel like once again, if that scene was done today, they would have broken the glass to oh. go into the restaurant. There would have been pandemonium. Over there would the have top. But, you know, all this stuff going on. And instead, you know, it's, I don't know. There's just like it's, it's hard. Subtle. It's to... assumed. You don't see him getting yeah. transformed, and it's just you assume something happens. You know, it, it, it's difficult to over, um, over exaggerate or overstate. Yeah, how many good decisions were made in the original Ghostbusters yeah. film? And the same thing. For better or for worse, can be said for the original Revenge of the Nerds Completely. movie. Completely. It's like, man, they just seem to, for a movie that is so stupid and <laughs> yeah, is yeah. so nothing, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's so nothing. For a movie that is so nothing, they just made all the right decisions. All the right decisions. And every scene almost, it was like, wow, this makes so much sense. And it's so silly, but in, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The Lambda Moose. I mean, that was hilarious to me, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I look, you're laughing. I'm telling you, how funny was that? You yes. know, Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. I mean, come on, they get <laughs> all the brothers, man. They got that was the best too. It was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. I mean, John Goodman. How great was John Goodman in John that movie? Goodman? I actually had great forgotten was John he? Goodman was in it. Yeah, how great is he in that movie? That is also, you know, to speak to the level of talent that goes into a movie that uh, that way. Now, most of these guys are not household names, but you you don't know you or you you kind of forget the careers that these guys eventually. Yeah, a lot of these guys have, you know, um, even Ogre, he shows up in all kinds of things. You of course. Know. And John Goodman, of course, goes on to be one of America's greatest acting treasures. Of course. You know? Anthony Edwards. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you Seriously. Know, I mean, so many of these guys, and, and a lot of these guys, like the guy who plays Takashi, I think, you know, he, he goes on to have more of a, um, I think, of a, a voice acting career. Yeah. So you don't see him as much. Right. But these guys, but in so many of the movies that you've seen, you, you hear their voices. You just don't know that it's, yeah. them, you know, and, and things like that. And the, the guy Curtis, and I'm still blanking on his last name. The guy who plays Booger. Yeah. He actually has a really prestigious acting career. He does. He's done a lot of really good stuff. I mean, in film and television, he's yeah. done a ton of really good stuff. He's a legit actor, but you just watch him in this movie and you, you're <laughs> not going to imagine <laughs> That this guy is Booger. a real deal actor, <laughs> right. you know, perhaps, you know, you're, but the argument against that is to say a lesser actor wouldn't have made such a memorable right. character. I mean, Booger would have been a completely unmemorable character in the hands of a lesser 
actor. True. You know, somebody yeah. who didn't have the ambition to be a great actor. <laughs> a greasy you know loser. I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I just think about a lot of films that, you know, maybe they weren't the best movies, but they, you know, I, I think of the, the um, oh my gosh, I'm just totally, The Outsiders. Oh, yeah. Based on the book, you know. <clears throat> yes. I mean, if you're just talking about a really great movie, it's not a really great movie. No, no. But you look at the level of talent that's tons in of that talent movie, in that movie, man. <laughs> and that's what makes the movie work is because, all right, maybe, you know, it's not the best adaptation of the book. Maybe it's not this, maybe it's not that. But the passion that the actors, these young actors who are hungry yeah. to be actors, hungry to have a long career, yes. and most of them do. Yes. Like, go down the list of the people who are in this movie, and you're just like, holy cow. Yeah. So who's How who, did man? they, you know, yeah. How did they get all these great young actors in this movie? Most of them playing pretty small roles, you yeah. know, not, not too many lines. But memorable. Each and every one of them memorable. You feel like you know them. Yeah. You feel like, you know, you, you have a sense of who they are from the get-go. I still think Emilio Estevez in that movie is like the coolest guy. Right. He's like yeah. the guy I would always want to hang out with. It's like, I want to hang out with Emilio Estevez all, right. from that movie all the time. All the time. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know... Patrick Swayze was always my my boy crush. Oh, I so. love Pat, love Swayze, man. I mean, who yeah. doesn't love Roadhouse, man? Come on, <laughs> like, that's like my wife's favorite movie. I swear, just like yeah. Patrick Swayze and Roadhouse. I'm like, I know it's a good movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little, it's a little. You know, there's a lot of movies from that era that that suffered from. I would say just not the best fight choreography. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Roadhouse definitely suffers from that. I agree. I agree. But it's still a great movie. It's still a great and movie, Swayze, man. Swayze makes it great. Swayze makes everything magic, man. Yeah. Tu Wong Fu. I mean, Dirty Dancing. I mean, he just made a lot of hits to me, man. It was just like, my, wow. My wife hadn't seen Tu Wong Fu until, <laughs> I don't know, I, we, we sat down and watched it together, you know, I don't know, a year or two ago. Yeah. It's such a fun movie. And yeah, it's so man. great to watch Swayze and Snipes, you know. <laughs> John Leguizamo. Yeah. yeah, but those two particularly kind of at the height of their action yeah. film career to go completely against type. What a weird turn, right? I was yeah, like, wow, it's, a, it's different. And so many actors have tried to do that very unsuccessfully. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger blazed the trail. Yeah. With movies sure. like Kindergarten Cop, which is another movie. We I just really watched talk that about. literally like a week ago. Unbelievable. Okay, we should talk about that movie. I think that might be I, next. I showed my man. kids that during COVID because... I was just like, listen, it's a comedy about a cop who teaches a kindergarten class. But if you think you know what the movie is going to be like, right. you don't understand the <laughs> kinds of movies that I grew up with. <laughs> because there's going to be a lot of swearing. Yeah. There's going to be blood. There's going to be, you know what I mean? There's yeah. going to be intense moments of, of action where, you know, there's going to be old ladies with guns getting hit with baseball <laughs> yeah, bats. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, there's going to be some <laughs> stuff that goes down. Oh yeah. And you'd think they'd hold back on a movie that's being, you know, 
like a family comedy. Yeah. But it's like, mm, no, there's mm-hmm. some intense stuff in there, yes. man. And it's like, there's some brutal stuff. There are some brutal there. stuff in there. It's great. That's why that works. And Vin Diesel's The Pacifier is a complete and utter <laughs> cin- cinematic failure. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that whole movie. I watched the first two minutes and I turned it off. I was like, holy <laughs> cow. I don't think I've ever seen something this bad. So <laughs> oh. that's worth that's worth its own hour conversation right there, man. Yeah, I might is. actually have to watch the pacifier in its entirety it's so bad. I can actually ha- and so I can actually bring that discussion to the table in a, in a more uh, complex way because all I can tell you right now is that most action guys that try to do comedy are bad at it. Right. They're just bad at it and and and, and I don't even know if they're bad at it or if just the screenwriters <laughs> and the directors are bad at it. It's so hard to say. I really, I it's really hard, don't know. But Arnold really brought it, man. He actually in that movie, he, there's so much tenderness to Arnold, too. And there's the typical so puns. There's the toughness. He like brings a lot of different aspects to him, to the character. Oh, great. yeah. And, and there's so many moments where. He, he he turns around the toxic masculinity. Yeah. I mean, think of him at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And he's so Arnold and he's wearing the trench coat with the glasses. And he, he looks he dirty. Cocks the, he cocks the, the shotgun and he says, I like my car. Yeah. Goes, I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to take care of it for I'll you. Take man. care for you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Turn that around to the moment in which he goes out to this to to confront the abusive father, yes. slams him up against the car and says, you hit the kid, I hit you. I mean, he, he takes that toxic masculinity and he turns it for yeah. good yes. to where he's he's now the protector. He's not the aggressor. And That's then the right. principal is so great. You That's know, the how best. to feel to hit that son of a bitch. <laughs> She's so great. You know, and they bring it home. You, you, I don't know what type of cop you are, but you're a very good teacher. You yeah. know, like there's these tender moments that's like, oh, like they again, another movie. They just got it right. Every scene made sense. And that's why I think like Revenge of the Nerds. I love it so much. Like I can watch that if I'm walking past the TV and that's on. That's what I'm watching, right? Yeah. I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, that's that's what's happening in our house. I'm like, oh, this is great. Let's that's and there's something about the magic of a movie that forces you to stop what you're doing and go, oh, I got to watch this. Hold on. Hold on. I got to watch this, you know, versus a movie that you actually try to forget. Yeah, yeah. like 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 the yeah. Kevin Hart movie you just mentioned. It's so bad. I'm telling you, it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Or that's so easily forgotten. There's a Kevin Hart movie with um Dwayne Johnson. Ugh. That I, I mean, I while I was watching it, I actually wasn't having a bad time. I'm gonna admit to you that yeah. I was like, you know what, this isn't so bad. Yeah, I couldn't quote a single line from that movie. <laughs> of course you, you know what i'm saying yeah it, it's like there's nothing memorable to it yeah, yeah in the moment i wasn't hating it but <laughs> there's nothing about it that i loved enough to remember yeah that's and also that's the bad. difference between something <laughs> like a kindergarten cop where it's right. just like or or a revenge of the nerds where you right. remember all these lines and you remember who said them and how they said them you remember all the context you remember everything and I mean, honestly, I hadn't watched Revenge of the Nerds since 
the eighties, maybe a year or two really? after it came out. I hadn't watched it since then. Wow. I remembered so much <laughs> in the rewatching of it. I was like, no, I remember all this and it's yeah. so good. So that is once again, it's like, man, these key ingredients where like Arnold in kindergarten cop, he does. And we should save this, I guess. We yeah, should shelve man. this Such a great, but movie. I mean, you talk about, <laughs> you talk about memorable lines, but I actually watched Arnold Schwarzenegger get interviewed and they asked him, do you, do you know, like, are you like, are you waiting for that moment in the script where you get to say that line? And he's and he said, you know, we we never know which line is really going to stick. Right. You you just never know, at which line is going to take off. You know, I mean, and uh, and I think he didn't say this, but I think what I got out of that communication is that you deliver every line like that's the line. Right. But you're not delivering it to try and get the laugh. Yeah. You're delivering the line the way it should be appropriately delivered. I mean, people don't think of Arnold Schwarzenegger as some great actor. No. But when you think of how many quotable moments from his movies, how many memorable moments come from Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, it's not because he's a bad actor. No. It's because he delivered that. He delivered the hell out of that line. He did. And it worked specifically in the context that it was within. And then you're able to lift that line and, and use it for any other context because now it's so memorable and it's in the consciousness of <laughs> the world yeah. that if you say Ostoli the Vista baby anywhere yeah. in the world, you don't, you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger. You just do. Why would you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger when you say Asta la Vista? Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because he delivered that he line. He delivered it. So perfectly every line he delivers i mean i i I'm, i've been on a binge with like all these movies i was watching predator the other day <laughs> man i was like arnold's just so good and then like <laughs> commando maybe my this is me commando maybe my favorite arnold movie of all time really because that movie really? has so many one-liners that are it so does. great. It's, it's a one, it's I one mean, liner fest. I, I eat green yeah. berets for breakfast. <laughs> it's, it's so funny, man. <laughs> it's so funny. And it's not supposed to be funny. You know? Uh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> Stick around Predators bit, probably... some steam, Bennett. And he throws yeah, the <laughs> pipe right. through him. And as the steam's coming up, blow off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> so good man and he says it was such a smug attitude about it <laughs> he just like... killed a guy <laughs> like violently that yeah <laughs> like... that movie is is a little weird for me but it deserves once Love again it. its own its own discussion it does predator is my favorite i i can say predator's up there for me that i think predator is actually well terminator 2 predator and I really have a soft spot in my heart for twins. And it's not twins because I great. think it's the best movie. Same I just, here. Just Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are such a joy to watch yeah. on screen yeah. that you can just you can just throw the plot and everything else out the window and just watch these two interact on screen and you're having a great time. Yeah. And once again, you, you don't think of Arnold Schwarzenegger as a great actor, but he he has chemistry with other people. You yeah. know what I mean? Danny DeVito is a great actor. Yes. He's an amazing actor. And Arnold Schwarzenegger 
isn't playing second fiddle in that movie no. to Danny DeVito's no. acting chops and things like that. Their chemistry is perfect. It's right on point. So that's my comp. That's my compliment to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. Like, okay. Maybe maybe you shouldn't be doing Shakespeare, but for, what, <laughs> for the kinds of movies that you do, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you're you're really good. And really good. You're really really good. He makes you remember him, and I, that's yeah. a great movie to me. When I'm when I was growing up, all I did was quote movie lines. I just loved to like throw in movie quotes yeah. in different conversations. Because it would make people laugh because they knew it. They're like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. You know, it's exactly it's like 48 hours and stuff. And Beverly Hills It's like amazing. So, so much fun. And the adventure, the adventure part is what I yeah. love too. all the adventure and the excitement and the lack of CGI, which was great. Real cars falling, blowing up and stuff. I just love that. The real the realism behind it. I think that's where Revenge of the Nerds I love, too, is like. Everybody's at some point feels like an outcast, you know, like and they like really made that something. It's like, hey, just because you feel like you're not part of the end crowd, you can still be cool in your own way. Yeah, that's a great message. You know, that is a great. And once again, it goes back to that idea of identity instead of trying to appropriate somebody else's identity to try and fit in with that in crowd, realizing what's so great about your own identity. Yes. Yes. And augmenting that and finding confidence within your own personal identity yes. will make you cool. You don't have to appropriate somebody else's stuff. That's right. That's right. The lady, are all nerds like this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I good. Mean, even, even that line where it's like this assumption that all nerds are the same. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I think that's actually, once again, we, we talked about it. It's like, don't, don't go into this movie for messaging and things like that. But if you are looking at messaging, once again, like all these nerds are so different. Yes. They are not all the same. They are such different people and such different characters. Yes. The, the thing that they all have in common is that nobody else wants them. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Everybody is like, oh, these people aren't worthy of being cool or on the, you know, on the popular spectrum. Yeah. But they're amazing themselves. They just got to find that. And I felt like they're they were finding that throughout the movie. It's like, no, this is cool, actually. And and we had a, a theme of that going on in the 80s. You yeah. The Goonies. You know? Oh, yeah. You got, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like. Kids that are losers in other social yeah. groups find each other, create their own social group, and now they're awesome. Yeah. Yes. And, and even, but even within their own social group, you know, it's like they're annoyed with each other. Yeah. They, you know, they have arguments. They're they're real friends. You know what yeah. I mean? They're not just like, oh, we think we're the best. We actually think we're awesome. It's like, yeah. no, these guys. There's a lot of infighting. There's a lot of this. Yeah, and that's that right. And the other, you know yeah. what I mean? But but there is, uh, I mean, if it once again, if you're looking for a wider kind of commentary or things like that, we're talking about um, uh, uh, diversity. Yeah. Goonies, Revenge of the Nerds, those kinds of movies are all about diversity. It's true. Right. There's a diverse group of characters. If you're looking at the other groups, there's less diversity. Like, it's no, true. we're all handsome white hunks, right. and things like that. Going <laughs> yeah. On. 
and their lack of diversity turns them into douchebags. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. You know, uh... and the, the other guys went out because they embrace the diverse talents within their group of outcasts. Right. Right. That should be the messaging of America. Unfortunately, yes. that messaging gets lost a lot. You know, when we, a lot. You know, <laughs> like, it, it really gets lost, but you know, that should be uh, our entire, that, that should be the flag we're waving is that yeah. we are the nation of outcasts. You know, I mean, just like what it says on the statue of Liberty, Liberty, you know, uh, and, and we're the underdogs. Yeah. And that's what makes us cool. It is what makes us cool. I totally agree with that, man. It's it's actually that I I kind of that movie is so beautiful because of that. It's like especially the end scene, you know, towards where they do like the big competition, the music video style thing, mm. and like they just celebrate each other's talents. Yeah, they go, "You're good at this. You're good at that. You're going here," and it made a cohesively awesome and fun end to the whole thing. You know, yes. where the other guys did their stereotypical thing. They were in the football uniforms and they're doing being stupid. Yep. You know, it's just very lack of intelligence and ingenuity and creativity. It's just dumb. You know? Yeah. And, it, you know, the nerds get up there and they're more like a jazz ensemble. Yeah. You know, it's like everybody's going to get a solo because we're going to highlight the different talents and styles yeah. of everyone in the group. And, and this, mishmash of all these different styles yeah. and things like that we are going to create this cohesive whole with i mean that that should be the messaging of the stars and stripes right right or right. it's just like yeah we don't we don't we celebrate our differences that's yeah. what's important here everybody yeah. brings something unique to our nation we don't demonize him just because he picks his nose no, you know what I mean. We don't demonize <laughs> him because he's gay and black. Right, I mean, talk right. About, talk about a know. double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't demonize him because he's, you know, this uh, virtuous violinist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's yeah. like we just embrace all of that. Yeah, and then you have what America was supposed to be from the get go. <laughs> I feel like they they kind of I don't know. I I didn't look at it deeply like you did on that sense, but I feel like maybe that's what they were going for. Like like this is kind of like this is what it should be like. You know, we're kind of looking at what yeah. the past is and here's what the future should be like. And it's in some weird direction. You know, it's like these guys were the fringe guys, the nerds, and they're becoming the mainstream guys, like how it should be. Whereas yeah. it feels like now like the crazy nutty French people are trying to be mainstream and it will be no good. It will be no good for people. Like it's yeah. not the direction for people. That's interesting. Right. But what, what happens is, uh, you know, a lot of the fringe groups we have today, they're not diverse. Right. They're very that, monoculture that, based, you exactly. know, mono so ethnicity. Exactly. So when you become a fringe group, with a complete lack of diversity, that's when you've gone wrong. Yeah, that's right. That's a good point. So, I mean, we, we sat there and said, don't go to this movie looking for commentary. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff but, there. <laughs> but there's a lot of commentary here, isn't there? Right, right. There, there is so much commentary here. And, and 
you know, they made sure to include the major groups of, yeah. you know, uh, there's no Latino, I don't think. Latinx. No, no, Sorry. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. so. But other than that, I think, you know, they, they tried to represent all, you know, kind of the major ethnicities that yeah. we think of in America. Police Academy does that. They did. There was yeah, their whole thing do. to another exactly. 80s movie. That's I don't I, There's some people really don't like that. I always loved Police Academy. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I, was like, I mean, I so stupid. Give or take Police Academy. So stupid. It's in the same spirit. That's what I mean. Movies, yeah. Where yeah, there's the diverse group of losers. Di that's exactly overcome, right. You know. Why was that such a theme in the '80s with movies like? What is that? I mean, it should be a theme all the time. Right. Right. But it was like very, very specific in the '80s. It felt was it like an anti. I don't know. The 80s also had a lot of greed as well was like a major theme. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I don't you know. know. I mean, we were still working. I mean, not that we've overcome any of the things that I'm about to list off, but we were still working. I mean, you think about we're only 20 years out from the height of the civil rights right. movement, you know, um, and maybe even less than 20 years. I can't yeah. remember the exact date, of you know, so um, and we're kind of in as far as cinema goes primo uh homophobic yeah you know but there's in most mainstream media there's especially comedies there's a lot of homophobic right. jokes and things like right that. so now you're including and you're kind of celebrating it you know in this sense this black gay guy yeah it's <laughs> great you know <laughs> I mean, there's a lot going on there and you have to applaud the filmmakers and say, well, for doing something so incredibly stupid, you actually did something <laughs> kind of profound. Right. That's weird to think, though, about that movie, but it's true. Man. You know, I, I and I think the thing about that movie is that none of those guys are virtuosic at things does that make sense yeah like lamar i mean lamar's javelin throw is just perfect they have to <laughs> modify the javelin to make it so he can throw it yeah you know what i mean it's otherwise the throwing it ain't style. going anywhere <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? so but th those are the things where it's just like okay well they're not actually amazing at these things but they're going to play they're going to modify their weaknesses so that they become strengths does that yeah, make sense yeah so think of empowerment movies that have been made in the last 10 years and i'm not i don't want to pick on women but i'm just going to pick on women empowerment movies yeah. where women are mary sue's and they're good at everything and they're better at men at everything um, and we've discussed that, you know, yeah. we have no problem with women being better than men at any. Sure. Of course. What we have a problem with is watching a movie where women don't have to go through the same adversity to be at that level of right. great. And that's what's missing from a lot of the movies. That's why they land so flat. Yeah. Is because they're good inherently because they're women instead of they put in the work and and got through the adversity to become so great right 
And that is not true across the board. It's just true of certain types of popular films that have that have come out that we we just we don't we're not privileged to see that part of the story of watching the woman become great. They're just already great. already great. Yeah, you know. Um, I would love to see a movie where women the a, a Revenge of the Nerds type movie starring yeah. women where they're actually not great. Yeah. Just like yeah. these nerds. They're actually not great. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to figure out through their not greatness how to become great. Right. Problem with that, that movie, so it would be like established actors in it, like superstars would be playing in yeah. that movie. Yeah, That's that my problem, problem, Simon. They wouldn't take a risk on people who maybe you didn't know to yeah. like reboot it. They're going to get like, oh, this person's a box office for sure deal. Yeah. So let's put yeah. women or men in there that are just like, we're going to put the same people who are big draws. Kevin Hart. We're going to put uh, Dwayne Johnson. We're going to put uh, what's this? Ryan Reynolds. Like this is the this is the move. You have and box office, massive appeal. You're going to be in a dumb movie. Really. And dumb. Instead movie. of asking somebody like a Ryan Reynolds to do something different, they're just going to say. <laughs> No, no, no. People like Ryan Reynolds. So be Ryan Reynolds. Be sarcastic. Like, like every yeah. movie you're in. Just yeah. do it. Do a lot of side commentary that right. is completely like, unnecessary to the it's script. It's unnecessary. You know yeah. I mean? like, it's like, yeah. You know, it, it's, it, sorry, Ryan Reynolds. You're beautiful. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but it's like you play the same dude in every movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, like, you know, <laughs> literally so the same guy. Yeah. I'm sure he's just a beautiful, wonderful human being, but I just, but he's Van Wilder know. in every movie he's in basically. He's yeah. like, he's literally that's, Van that's Wilder every movie. Problem. And that works for something, but it shouldn't work for everything. No, you know what I mean? And it doesn't, then that's our whole point is that's that it doesn't point. work for everything, but yeah. they're trying to make it work for everything. And that's when it's like, boy, I'd really like to see a movie where Ryan Reynolds really isn't great. Right. Because isn't he great in everything? You know yeah, what I mean? He's yeah, like, like, yeah, he's he's just awesome at yeah. everything and everything. He's, <laughs> he's just always yeah. really good. Like, yeah. And it's like, well, wouldn't it be great if you just weren't good at something? Yeah. If you weren't great. That'd be awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. Everything will always tie back to Star Wars. And Luke Skywalker, to me, is just the ultimate example of this because Luke Skywalker sucks at everything. <laughs> it's true, man. You know what I mean? And he's so proud of himself. Like when they're escaping the Death Star, yeah, and he and he hits one of the 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 Tie Fighters that are coming after him, and he's just cel celebrating, you know, blah blah blah. And Han Solo is just like, "Great kid, don't get cocky." Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you know? it's your first kill, don't get cocky now. You yeah, know what I mean, it's like, and you know, I I mean, we don't get long, you know, montage, but. Luke Skywalker has to put effort into it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He has to actually get trained. He actually, you know, maybe, maybe the training isn't as long as it should be. Maybe right. he is, you know, gifted because he's a Skywalker because that's in his blood or right. things like that. But he still begins the saga, the trilogy, um, sucking at everything. Yeah. Pretty bad. When when the sand people attack him, he's useless. Useless, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? He's just useless. Man. I mean, he's useless in most scenarios. He's not like a dead shot with a blaster. He's not no. anything. You know, he and Han go to rescue Leia. Well, she ends up having to rescue them. Yeah, because they're not. 
They're inept people. They're inept. That's what I'm saying. These big stars, they never play inept people. They never play people yeah. like, wow, this and that people that just don't get better. It's like, wow, yeah. that, that guy's just bad. Like, not very good. And they're not doing all this side commentary at each other. No. That's supposed to be for jokes. You know, there's once in a while, Han Solo's lines land so well because they're not constant all the time. Like yeah. when he when he shoots the, the the microphone, he says, it's a boring conversation anyway. That right. line lands so great yes. because they don't talk like that when they're shooting it. No. People, you know, no. Not, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's not they're not having all this humorous banter. Yeah. They're they're arguing, they're screaming at each other, they're practically in hysterics because they have no way out. They don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah. But there's no like humorous marvel superhero banter that's going on you know <laughs> hey i'm sorry ryan reynolds but again like like deadpool works for ryan reynolds because it's van wilder like it's yeah. literally the same dude who's a superhero yeah it's like but the, why does this have to be like every role you're in is the same guy no, it doesn't it doesn't have to be like, that free and... guy is the free guy is van wilder seriously it's, it's, it's always the same guy you know who's always amazing good looking like and it's just come on really yeah, no, it, it's un, it's it's unfortunate, and you know maybe that is just his choice. Maybe it's the director's choice. I don't yeah. know whose choice it is. I don't know to make him the same guy every time. But you know, uh, once again, that just goes back to prove the strengths of the original Revenge of the Nerds right. movies, because none of these guys were creating characters that would follow them for the rest of their career. No, no, none of these guys are playing that character for the rest of their yeah career they're real actors yeah acting acting they're acting. acting they are becoming these characters and then when they go to make the next movie they become that character they become that that's exactly right okay <laughs> great example it's like everybody saw denzel washington kind of a certain way and then he did training day and they were like whoa yeah like whoa denzel's not good he's not a good guy I mean, yeah. that's that's the turn I like to see. Like, come on, man. Like, you can't be beautiful all the time. Seriously? <laughs> like, no. no. And boy, is he good at that. Oh, man. Like, crazy. And nobody thought he would be that good like that. They're like, oh, it's Denzel. Come on. You know, yeah. he's not going to do something like that. But, you know, he's done in the last, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, the timeline, five, six years. You know, he did Fences. Yeah. He's not a good guy. Right. Then he did um, Macbeth. That's exactly right. Starts out as a good guy, becomes mm -hmm. not a good guy. That's right. You know. Um, yeah. And he's he's so good at these. So good, man. Roles. <laughs> he's so good. as good as he is at being good. He might be even better at being bad. Yeah, he channels it, man. <laughs> you know, he just channels it. And I think most of the other stuff just feels like money grabs. I never feel like Denzel's going for money. I mean, he's making money a lot, but I feel like he really like feels it. He feels it. Well, like, okay, like a Philadelphia. Material. Right. Like Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. That's a challenging role yeah. that he was in that. Well, it's, it's, it gets gutsy to do something like that. Like, can you see The Rock doing that? No. <laughs> like, no, no, no. There's no. no challenge. He's with Kevin Hart half the time yeah, or he's doing yeah. a superhero thing. Like, it's like, yeah. come on. You know, I, Denzel in Philadelphia is 
once again oh. a perfect example because he's he's almost kind of an ambulance chaser lawyer yeah you know what i mean he's and, he's not like this great heroic no. guy but no. he just takes on a case that kind of it challenges him it challenges it alters it challenges him. him yeah it challenges yeah, him and, and that that's that's the beautiful parts of the story and tom yes. Hanks is brilliant in that Ugh. i mean he's just absolutely brilliant and then just whew. um oh it's antonio antonio banderas incredible like again when i would I see sing that, that from when him. i see that tom hanks's partner is antonio banderas i was kind of like well i'd be gay for antonio too. yeah you're like <laughs> but the role was like he took himself somewhere else for that you know it's that that moment where tom hanks's character is in the hospital antonio banderas can't visit him yeah I was so crushed and the torn. These, these are the things. Yeah. I mean, what when did that come out? The early nineties. Yeah. I, I mean, we're teenagers back then. You yeah. Know? And these are the things that I I didn't even think about that. No. I wasn't no. thinking about no. those kinds of, of issues when it came to, you know, gay rights and That's right. know, LGBTQ plus rights is what we're yeah. really talking about. You know, I I wasn't I wasn't woke to any of that no. side of the conversation and it's movies like that that change the conversation for that's people right. like me that's right i was just like oh okay i actually i understand what uh, now yeah. i'm seeing I, I can't say i understand but i'm seeing my eyes are opening yeah what the issue really is that's right and that somebody's rights to love somebody else that's exactly right in all aspects just being able to visit them in the freaking hospital Yes. That's what it's about. That's right. And for but, people who are against those things, I, I guess you just don't see what it's about. Or there's a part of you that's lacking some humanity. Right. Yeah, that's all I can. Because that's I, a I, universal I emotion, that achiness, the wanting to be near the person you love, regardless of whatever yeah. sexual orientation and things, which is irrelevant to uh, that. It's just about being connected to someone. Now, and, and how the actors pull that, pull you in on that. I, I tell you, a great current show that really pulls at that is Five Days at Memorial on Apple TV+. Plus. It is mm, so good about reenacting the Memorial Hospital during Hurricane Katrina. Ooh. I mean, these yeah. actors went somewhere super deep. And wow. the... The emotion was so gripping. And by the last episode, episode, my wife and I are literally cry. We're sobbing watching this mm. the last. And I was like, I haven't cried like this at something in a long time. But it's also a commentary that nobody's given me a reason to feel this way in a movie or a show in a long mm. time. And it, it just blasts you. And it's like, wow, this is superior, superior acting, superior and not a lot of huge names. That's the, it's a lot of, it's not big people in the movie. It's like mid-level people in it. Not to doubt, you know, big stars are big stars oftentimes, sure. oftentimes for a reason. Right. But mid-level guys, people who are working all the time, but they're That's not right. the biggest names. Right. Oftentimes they're working all the time for a reason because they are great, great actors yes. but maybe they're not hollywood handsome and that's it to be the lead that's it simon these but people are not stereo neurotypically or stereotypically 
objectively beautiful to maybe to Hollywood when you look at them, but they bring mm -hmm. it home, man. Woo! <laughs> like, and you wonder how the acting world would change if those people were cast in more leads, right? Instead right. of needing, you know, Hollywood hunk or starlet, you know, to be the lead yeah. in everything. Um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, a time where there's a lot more of those kinds of things. But, you know, in the meantime, I'm glad at least somebody's producing those things. Oh, my gosh. You know? I mean, so I'm excited to go watch that. You got to watch Simon. I was thinking of you. I was like, Simon would love this. Lots of talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Simon. <laughs> this is okay, everybody. It's Simon's thing. Lots of good dialogue, oh, talking, lots of just like conflict, a decision making. Like it's just, it's just so gripping. It pulls you in like pff, immediately. You're like, whoa, oh, this is gonna be serious, like a serious move show. I was gonna, I was gonna recommend something to you if you haven't already seen it. Also on Apple TV, it's the Beastie Boys. I haven't seen it. Um, it's a, uh, you know, it's. Uh, the two surviving guys, Mike D and um, yeah, um, uh, wow, thing just flew right out of my head. Anyway, <laughs> it's those right. two guys, and it's actually their live show that they took on tour, just talking about the history of the Beastie Boys. Yeah, and in essence, they're talking about the history of rap itself. Right. You know, because For sure, um, and you know, there's there's a lot of the story that I knew. And there's a ton of the story that I had no idea about. Um, one of the things I didn't know about was that, um, you know, Adam Yout was such an incredibly talented person. I didn't know mm. that he was like so talented at everything, mm. but he, he apparently was just like this savant person mm. who they described as just like, it just seemed like everything he did, like he knew he, they, they described him as he knew way more than us and we had no idea where he was getting this knowledge yeah you know this is pre-google yeah like, how yeah. does he know about all this stuff and we don't and then he's just good at everything <laughs> you know crazy scientists appreciated uh learning that and if anybody um you know just interested in music history yeah and specifically rap history it's a great thing to watch it's on apple tv can't remember what it's called miss beastie boys you know yeah but, um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's nice to see that there's people out there producing things like that that are just such good quality things and sideways educational. You yeah. know, I mean, I don't know how much of that show that you were just recommending is true. You know, yeah, but it's going to expose us the same way Philadelphia did to a different side of the Katrina conversation. Yes. Yes. And it did. It's just so much footage is original footage from Katrina that they splice mm. in. And then you have the the acting going with it. And I believe it's fairly accurate, um, okay. which makes it even more devastating um, yeah. that these actors were able to channel the emotion. And it was kind of like I thought about you when you were like saying when we did uh, Wind River or something like and you were like, mm -hmm. you know, it's cold there. Like, you know, like this is not fake. It's like they're yeah. out there. This is the same thing. I'm looking at them like, where did they shoot this? Like, uh, it's flooding. Like, how did they? It's like, this is uh, real. Like, like that makes it way better. That realistic feeling.
It's like, wow, isn't it, it, man? Not good. Where you, like, you you really feel like you're in the elements with the actors. Yeah, that that's that's brilliant filmmaking, and that's something that gets so lost. No matter how good the digital technology is, there's some there is still a separation there. There's still there's something that you know. There's yeah. uncanny valley going on. That's right. And and we just yes. know that the actors aren't really there. They're not quite really there. Yeah. And we know it's not really happening. Yeah. So it takes us out of it emotionally a bit. It you does. Know, whether we want it to or not. But there's so many things about these old movies that, or 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 even movies today that rely more on practical effects, yes. rely on actors. I mean, look at that movie, uh, Revenant, with uh, yeah, with Leo uh, DiCaprio, yeah, yeah, he's in that water, man. And it's cold. I mean, he's it's in like, that water. Yeah. I'm sure they use a stunt man sometimes, but yeah, you know he's in that water. He's in that water. He's and suffering. He's suffering. And yes. you know. <laughs> They're you need shooting, that though. They're <laughs> shooting outside. You know? right. Like they're only shooting with natural light. Right. That was one of the big deals of the film filming of that movie. We're only using natural light. We're shooting it outside. We're going on location. That's tough stuff, man. Yeah. That's not a lot of dialogue. Ask of yeah. your actors and things like that, where you are just watching them suffer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> The toughness, man. <laughs> I want that. I'm totally into that. Like, I, I always appreciate that. Like with Christopher Nolan, I, I read a lot of his interviews and he's always like, I want practical effects. That plane is going to actually blow up. It is going to blow yeah. up. The bus is going to yes. get flipped. And I appreciate the effort behind that. And I think when you see, even if you know what's coming, it's still jarring to see something blow up. It just is <laughs> like, yeah. How could it not be jarring, even if you know what's coming? It's like, whoa, you know, like those were like the highlight scenes of um, especially TV shows that didn't have big Hollywood yeah. budgets. If they actually blew up an airplane hangar or something like yeah. that, it's like, wow, whoa. you know, <laughs> yeah. you see that happen in like Magnum P.I. or the A-Team or yeah. something like that. It's like, <laughs> man. It's, it, but, but I mean, it's like, it's really exciting to it's watch exciting. it blow up because yeah. it really happened. They really, you know, put together either a fake hanger or a, an yeah. older hanger or something like that. And they blew it up and they, you know, did these things. And, and I just love that. I mean, just, you know, we mentioned Predator before. They went yeah. out to the jungle in and the filmed. Jungle. Yeah. And it feels claustrophobic. And it, it does. feels like everybody is hot and sweaty and <laughs> yeah, miserable exactly. because they are. They actually are. Yes. Carl Weathers is sweating up a storm up in there, man. Yeah. <laughs> like Billy's sweating everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. And when he falls off the cliff down the waterfall into the water, you yeah. see that that is a real dude doing it. That's right. And you are, you know, you're just like, yes, that stunt man got a payday. He got a payday. You yeah. Know? Yes. <laughs> it's just, it's just amazing how these things, I think that's the beauty of talking about movies. It's just, it brings in a lot of commentary about your life and how you feel about living and different uh, aspects about other yes, parts yeah. of life, right? Yes. How you feel about your life is often depicted in a movie and how you feel about technology is almost always depicted in a movie or featuring new technology or featuring the emotions. A heartbreak is featured in a movie. Movies are about your life. A lot of times. 
you just broke down the essence of yours and my age group right now. We are the age group that made the the leap from analog to digital. Yeah. Um, and and embracing the digital. Yeah. You know, you and I, we're not the okay boomer generation that doesn't know how to use technology. Right. We're the guy, you know, our generation invented the technology that we're now using. Yeah. So we've embraced it, but there's, but we came from analog. That's right. So we still love the analog and we have this nostalgia for it. Yeah. And what you were just saying, I think you just brilliantly put, I mean, if, if you were going to break down all of our conversations about movie and film, you just broke it down perfectly because what we keep talking about is the attitude we have toward our own lives. Yeah. And it is that we want it to be real. I want it to be real. We want to have real interactions with people. You and I are using a digital medium right now, but, but it's in order to have a real interaction with That's somebody. Right. It is not to have a, oh, you know, see how many likes I can get yeah. on Instagram. No. Unreal. No. You know, which filter do I look prettiest you know, with, you know, which one smooths out my skin the most yeah. so that I look like, you know, a plastic, you know, Barbie <laughs> or something like that. You and I are trying to have a real interaction where we're having real conversations about real things, but we're using digital media to do that. And I yes. think that is the conversation that we're going to keep continue to have about film. We embrace the digital as long as it enhances our real experience. Yes. That's but the right. moment it takes away from the real experience of watching and being involved in the film, where you lost us, right? And that's why we've been we've been so critical of movies that take us away from that. It's like, okay, I just checked out because the crocodile looks so fake under the water. What <laughs> yeah. the hell, man? Like, I shouldn't be thinking about this. I should be injecting myself into the the heart of this movie. And then thinking about it, how it affects my life and how I'm living. Yeah, you know, like I don't want to think about the terrible CG. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Oh man. I want to be pulled into an experience and then I want to evaluate it and how it makes me feel about my life for that. And like I remember, like when I was in high school, I felt like a revenger. I was like a nerd. I didn't, I wasn't part of a popular group of people. All of my friends were literally like the Revenge of the Nerds crew. I mean, it was literally like that. My high school friends. And, and you were Booger. Right. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Probably. But I examined my own life through the lens of that movie for that. It's yeah. just like why everybody, yeah. why so many people identify with the Breakfast Club back then. Right. You saw yes. yourself in one of the people in detention. You're like, oh, that's kind of like me. You know, yeah. I'm kind of that guy who's insecure or I'm the tough guy who was who's just hurt by his family. You know, like yeah. you saw it reflected, but it was a mirror to your life. Right? If you take that mirror away, it's kind of a garbage situation for me, you know. And these characters. They're not good at things. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're not even good at personal interaction. Right. Right. You know, whether they're the popular jock or whether they're, you know, the, yeah. the academic nerd or the, like you say, the, the tough bully. Right. None of them are good at interpersonal communication. <laughs> no. And it's something that they are going to develop. <laughs> right. Throughout this movie. And they have to do it with somebody who is 
who objects to them. Objects to them. Yes. And now they're stuck in a room and they have to learn how to communicate with that person. <laughs> and and now we're going to have a dance scene because <laughs> yeah. everybody comes Has together via dance. dance. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think you made such a good point about kind of like we had a situation where we're like, well, we still have a situation where like you and me, we crave this type of interaction. But what is it like if you've never had that? Like if you're a digital native and you've never had the stimulus of this type of interaction, you've just literally missed out on a huge portion of hu being a human per human being. You my literally have. I, my kids and I, we keep having this conversation. We, we, I just it was having it last night with uh, my daughter, Adriana. And, you know, she's she would ask me, what did you do without cell phones when you were a kid, dad, without <laughs> smartphones and everything? And I was explaining to him, it's like, well, you grab your rotary phone with a 20 foot coily cable and you stretch that coily cable to the nearest closet. And then you, you know, you talk to your friends in kind of hushed, whispered tones, hoping that your parents don't hear, right. you know, or your siblings for that matter, right. don't hear what you're talking about. And then you keep hearing giggling on the other end of the line. Mm -hmm. You're like, Hey, who's on the phone? Get off of the phone. This is, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know? <laughs> and then if you're a really rich kid, you have call waiting. You're like, Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> And it's and, and if you're popular, that's another one of your friends on the other side of the line. That's you say, right. "Oh, I'm talking to this friend," and now you're going back and forth. Yeah. And, you know, and but you stay on that phone for hours, hours. And I was telling, you know, I was telling him how, uh, you know, um, like I would talk to my girlfriend all night. Sometimes. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like and then they were just like, "How do you just talk like that?" Long? <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's why this is intimidating to a lot of people who do podcasts. They want it scripted. They want it all put together. They want because just talking like this feels intimidating to digital natives. They're like, well, how could you guys be talking for almost two hours? What's there to talk about? Plenty. There's plenty. It's oh, a skill. Man, also, endless... it's a skill. Like yeah. <laughs> you have to work on it. <laughs> like Inter interpersonal communication is a skill. It's a skill. It is a definite skill and you have to develop that skill, but you can't develop it if you are only communicating via text. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How does that work? I mean, it's like you're missing a large part of what it means to be a human being. And it's really a crippling thing to your to your identity, not being able to speak to people. I mean, it's you have to be able to have the conversation. It's like I never even think about it, but you can't believe the amount of people who to struggle with it. They just, I had to teach my daughter how to have a phone conversation. Like I would call right. her yeah. and be like, this is how you have a conversation. And she was like blown away by it. And I was like, this sucks, man. <laughs> this really sucks. That I don't have to do this. <laughs> like, <you know>. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I found, I thought phone etiquette was just something that everybody kind of knew. Yeah. I didn't remember my parents specifically teaching. I know, I know they did, you know, they would yeah. say, Hey, you know, say who you are. And there is a really funny, funny line in 30 rock where, um, Tina Fey's character, her, her dad calls her and he says, who he is he says you know elizabeth this is this is your father jack lemon <laughs> and she's like dad I know, I know who it is you don't have to keep announcing who you are and he says he's and he says phone etiquette is important liz it lets <laughs> people know your age and race <laughs> <laughs>
it's a terrible joke terrible it's absolutely horrible <laughs> but at the same time i'm like you know uh, my kids have no idea what phone etiquette is no they just don't even know no. and it's like oh i forgot that you have to actually teach those things yes i thought a child would just automatically just pick up the phone and say hello hello no no, they, they freeze. Don't. They literally they have freeze. No idea what to do. They freeze. I'm. Ne- it's <laughs> such a weird thing. I was like, I'm, it's just like, uh, and I'm like, say your name, say hello, hi, okay, hi. Literally, this is how it goes. And I'm like, this is crazy to me. I was yes. like, Grandma, how's it going? What are you doing? Blah blah. My mom. I can see my mom getting frustrated, like on the phone. It's like, yes. okay. Uh, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, we're working on it and stuff. You know. <laughs> oh man. I mean, it's bad. It's, it, it is bad. It is true. I actually took an interpersonal communication course in 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 college, and I yep, was embarrassed to be taking it, but I had to fulfill some credit. You yeah. Know, whatever. And it was just like the lamest stuff, but, but what was amazing to me. So I went to college a little bit later. Okay. I, you know, uh, did a lot of other things, you know, got married young, started having kids, all this kind of stuff. And I ended up not really being able to go to college full time until, I don't know, I'm like 24 or something like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm 24. I've already lived abroad for two years, you know, yeah, things like that. And I've just had some more, and even before that, you know, my family was a bit adventurous. So we had, we had traveled the entire United States for yeah. for just a year as a family. And before that, you know, we had taken lots of other trips and things like that. So anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm there in this interpersonal communications class with a bunch of 18 year old freshmen and the level of questions that they actually have to ask was boggling to me <laughs> about just composing an email. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it was just like, oh my goodness, how are you this stupid? <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I don't mean to sound rude. Right. Because I don't really mean that those people are stupid, but I mean, how do you, um, how have you, had so little experience with communication is what right. I'm really yes. trying to yes. say. Yes. Right. How that... sheltered have you been that you've had so little access to communication that you have to ask this basic level of question? Yeah. Right. So it, it was it was really eye opening to me. And so, you know, apparently I didn't learn anything from it because I failed uh, also (laughs) as a parent to teach my own children how to do these things. I'm telling you, man, I've been working on this hard with my daughter because it's just so unnatural to them. And that's also why I show her movies like we're watching all these movies together, everything predator. We're watching Ghostbusters. I said, this is actually kind of also how you learn to talk to people by watching movies also like sitting down, watching, listening. Like we watched Miss Congeniality last night. I mean, it's not a great movie. You know, it's like, it's okay. Mm -mm. But like just the sitting down, taking in the conversations, the silliness of it. You know, it's like a lot of conversations I learned growing up was just through movie quotes, like we were saying. 
I would just start yeah. throwing in movie quotes when I didn't know what to say. And people go, oh, that's funny. I watched that movie, too. And it starts the dialogue. You know, we're talking about yes. that movie. Then we're talking about something else. You know, it's like just throwing in stuff. A lot of these kids today, they just have none of that. And it's just uh, it's that's why I'm such a huge proponent of movies, because movies reflect your life. And in a lot of good movies, Simon, you know, there's a lot of talking. It's a lot of dialogue. Yeah. It's a lot of talk pulls in a lot of fruitful information. Cinema is art. And if you can have a conversation about art, then you can have any conversation about anything. Bingo. So because what you've done, uh, art is communication and interpretation. We're something's trying to be communicated and we are trying to interpret that communication. Yes. Um, e even at the most lowbrow joke, something is trying to be communicated and yeah. we are interpreting that communication yes. and we're either laughing or we're disgusted by it or, or something right. else, you know? Um, so, so that is the essence of interpersonal communication. It is something's being communicated and we have to interpret it and communicate in response. Uh, yeah. what, you know, how we've interpreted that interpreted that communication. That's what art and film does. That's what yes. you're, you're saying. You know, it's like, you know, reading great books, watching great yeah. movies, uh, even just staring at a painting staring for as long painting. as you can stare yeah. at it and trying to figure out what's being communicated and how I can interpret that for my own life. Right. That is the essence of one of the greatest pieces of art that I've seen in the last year was actually a dance that was performed at the local high school here and they have mm. an amazing dance program yeah and there was a particular student there that had that had um uh struggled with suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. and they talked about getting help with that and then they talked about what their dance program had had done to try and help with that conversation yeah and then they performed a dance that they had choreographed to 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 have that conversation and I was in tears. I was so moved. Yeah. And it wasn't just at the thought of it. It was at the um, execution of it. These kids were so talented and had so much passion and put so much of their entire body and soul right. into communicating. And that's what great art does. And when you can have a conversation that way, then you can communicate with anybody about anything. True. That was well said. That was like, art is great communication. It's why, like, I think that we have to teach young people that your communication is not through shorts or reels. You know, these 10 second, 15 second things that they get on social media. Those, that's, there's nothing that's going to teach you about being a good conversationalist by watching a reel or, no. It's often just self-indulgence. That's all it is. It doesn't teach you anything about the depth yeah, of being a person. It's just self-indulgence. You know? It is. If you'll forgive me, it is the masturbation of social media. <laughs> Should be, if you'll forgive me, it's the masturbation <laughs> of... Uh... <laughs> it really is. Right. I mean, it's just a jerk-off situation, man. It just is, man. It's like, I, mm, I don't pleasure. post a lot. Yeah, I don't tend to post a lot on social media because it that's what it feels like. Right. It feels like I'm just doing it for my own pleasure. Right. And not that yeah. I'm against that per se sure. by principle, but if that's all that you're in it for. Right. 
then maybe, you know, it's time to start looking outside of ourselves. Right. If that's all you're ingesting, yes, you're going to continue to have poor conversations and weird interactions. It's different if it's one tiny component of a larger picture. Yeah. But a lot of people, it's not. They're just watching TikTok videos over and over, you know, and stuff, you know. Easy pleasure, easy entertainment like that, that doesn't challenge you. Once again, you know, it's, it, it, it's not, it's not that something's not being communicated. It's that it, it's that it's not challenging communication. So, yeah. you know, you, you, I want my synapses to fire. Yes. That's what I want. And, and so when I'm watching a movie or I'm reading a book or any other kinds of things, I want to feel like my brain is, is on fire because yeah. of the synapsis that's, that, that's happening. I, because my, my brain is ingesting something new. It's learning something yes. new or, or it's taking something old and realizing I didn't understand it. Yeah. You know? Right. And so if it's not doing that for me and, and I'm sorry, but you know, TikTok is just inept yeah. at, at that kind of, of conversation. And so yeah. is most Facebook, Instagrams, most social media most, is inept. It's mostly that. inept. There yeah. are exceptions to the rule. There are people who are out there putting out amazing content, mm-hmm. but the, they are the exception yes. to to that rule. So when we're spending so much time on social media, I guarantee that time isn't being spent with the exceptions to the rule. Right. But more with the rule. Yeah. Exactly. You should be challenged. That's why I do this. I want to be challenged in a longer conversation every week. And I'm always having three or four hours of conversation with people I usually don't know. And or every two weeks with someone I do know like you. But either way, I'm having uh, a different I'm having different input all the time. Output. It's like a very different experience. You know, I'm having these conversations, whereas like most people I know are never doing this ever. Yeah. Like ever. They're not talking to people in a longer way, like ever. And you and I have been conversing for something like two years. Yeah. And you can trace back to probably our original conversation Mm -hmm. and you can find the themes of the conversation we had today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? (laughs) Of course. And, And you can trace throughout these last two years that we have mentioned similar you know the same movies sure. sometimes yeah we've talked about similar concepts but today was finally the day that i feel like we nailed on the head why we're talking about you know you know uh practical versus cgi and things like yeah. that i feel like we've been we've been having the conversation yeah. but we haven't been able to figure out what is it that we're why we're why we keep returning to it yeah yeah and and that is the value of these long form conversations. It's not just that we had a two hour conversation. It's that, that we've been having this conversation for two years Yeah, and we're finally getting somewhere. (laughs) It takes time. (laughs) Yeah. It takes time and a lot of different haircuts for Simon, apparently. And (laughs) you know, I just in locations, I mean, moving and (laughs) takes time. It does, (laughs) but that's the value you have to invest in a person. That's and you right. have to invest in the idea of interpersonal conversation yep. and the value of conversation and the value of somebody uh, and, and ourselves 
misinterpreting over and over and over until finally we get somewhere and get somewhere. And yeah. if you're not invested in that process, then we don't get anywhere. We don't get it. It's true. Very true, man. I mean, what a great way to sum up. It's like, you know, what's funny. It's like, we just been like rolling and rolling. And then I was like, it was just like threw itself up. I was like, ah, <laughs> like, oh, it's been stuck in my throat for a couple of years. <laughs> like, oh, Simon and Simon exactly. and Daring finally get it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the name of it. They Simon finally figured. Don't out. need to talk anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the last episode. They finally <laughs> figured it out. Two years and running. <laughs> Maybe we can finally get past this this, I mean, this conversation. Maybe okay. we can actually like. <laughs> we're gonna get past it. I think we're doing kindergarten cop next time, but at least we're not gonna be struggling with this reason why. <laughs> like, yes. Oh, we oh, get man. it. Okay. Okay. We get it. Finally. Yeah. Finally. Finally. Simon, you the man. You the man. You too, my bro. This is awesome. This is literally okay, guys. Remember, this is the part of the show that I give Simon compliments. This is it. This is it. I'm In the ready beginning, for it. I question his hairstyles and stuff. At the end, yep. I give him compliments, man. <laughs> All right. So Simon is an amazing person, an awesome friend. And uh man, it's just been like crazy amazing for me to be your friend. Seriously. He is crazy. Well, man. Amazing, man. All the These conversations. I mean, yeah. <laughs> those are funny too, guys. <laughs> All the racist tensions aside. Yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I had a way to like, just put the text up on the, like just randomly pop them up. Like Simon says, <laughs> I feel like I need to delete all these. No, no, don't, don't delete the text. I didn't. <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, you have helped me grow so much. And like I say, in the last couple of years, we've been, you know, with new conversations and with same conversations, yeah. you know, we um, continue to push each other's thoughts and reasoning yeah. for thinking the way we do yeah. and discovering why we think the way we do. Um, and I think, I mean, that is the heart of any kind of mental health therapy, yeah, mental health counseling and things like that. So thanks for being my counselor and my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned some disturbing things, but I'm willing to overlook it. I'm like, <laughs> that's what you do with friends. Yeah, that's what you do with friends. You overlook the weird stuff. I mean, like, right. unless it's too weird, then you got to do something else. Kind <laughs> of set up boundaries. Like, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> Simon, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And right. uh, two weeks back again, guys. Talk to you soon. All right.